Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me. And they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. Oh, I am so thrilled that you guys have joined us today, because our guide is the queen of visualization. She is a law of attraction expert. The lovely Natalie Ludwell is with us today, and Natalie has helped over 2.1 million people across the globe achieve success, and I know she's going to help you do it too. So who is she? Natalie is a risk taker, a nonconformist, a rule breaker, and a rule maker who believes that nothing is impossible. Sounds like somebody else we know. Uh, as an internationally renowned motivational speaker, best-selling author, this law of attraction guru, host of The Inspiration Show and Wake Up TV, is also the co-founder of the revolutionary personal development company, Mind Movies. Natalie is nothing if she's not authentic. Her mission is to empower 10 million adults and children all over the world to lead lives fulfilled with joy, happiness, and passion, Ah, the lives they were destined to live. She's a founding member of the Association of Transformational Leaders, member of the Transformational Leadership Council, the Evolutionary Business Council, whose main mission is to connect individuals like her together, make such a great and meaningful impact in the world through empowering the lives of other people in their respective fields. Natalie is currently working on her brand uh, brand new groundbreaking program called PD for Kids, Personal Development, a powerful children's curriculum designed to help them establish a strong foundation for the rest of their lives. And this program is currently being taught in the most poverty-stricken areas of Colombia to 10,000 children, as well as in Dubai, Australia, and the U.S., I'm going to bring Natalie on because there's so much more that we can talk about. And we'll just talk about it through our evolutionary natural conversation. <laughs> Welcome, Natalie. Hi, Frankie. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. You sound, I sound exhausted. I'm just exhausted listening to all those things that I'm up to. At the oh, moment. but you're just like, you, yeah, you're like a whirling dervish. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you I know what? It. I have an amazing team. So thank God for that. <laughs> you do. You absolutely do. You know what? This is Mission Unstoppable. And when people are unstoppable in their lives, I like to go back to the beginning of their lives because everybody wants to know, like, you know, was that who you were born to be? Is this, you know, did, did you grow up that way? So you, I believe you were one of eight children. Yes. That, wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah, wow. Wow. A big country. I grew up in a country town in Australia, one of eight kids. And, uh, and I was definitely so in those... that pack were you? Sorry. Well, I, well, we're kind of two families blended together. So my dad okay. uh, had me and my sister from his first marriage my mom had uh, six kids from her first marriage, and then they got together, and so we became the eight. Um, so out of the eight, I was like third youngest. Oh, wow. And, um, and so it was interesting. I mean, there, obviously, there's good and bad things about growing up in a, in a big family like that. Um, but I was always one of these kids that uh, I always stuck up for the underdog. Um, I was always pretty vocal. I've always been pretty confident. So uh, I think that uh, – and I always knew that I was destined for, you know – for, for something big. Like when I was 17, I left home. Uh, well, I left school when I was 15, left home when I was 17, left my hometown when I was 18. 
And wow. now I live in the U.S. Now I live in L.A. So, um, so but yes. when you were that little girl playing in, you know, I, I don't know, in, was it the dirt? Did you have grass? I don't even know. In, in rural Australia. <laughs> like, and you're playing with whatever. Um, what, were you, what was your imagination? What, who were you? You know, um, that's an awesome question. I always saw myself as, um, you know, someone with, well, like I said, with a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, with, in the family of, like, there was sort of four older children and then four younger children. So I was definitely the the loudest, strongest, you know, um, it, uh, out of the four younger kids. I was sort of, you know, I was a second eldest in there, but I was definitely um, kind of the leader of that group. Um, even at school, like, you know, I was, you know, on the debating team. I was the star of the athletics team. I was on the, in the school plays. So I was everybody knew you. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was always, you know, that, that kid. But, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday saying how, you know, I used to always stick up for the kids that were getting teased. You know, for me, that was like, I just thought it was such an injustice. I'm like, how, how can you tease someone? Like, this is so awful. Um, so even at that young age, I would recognize you know, that this behavior is not cool, you know, and even, I don't know if I was the cool in the cool crowd. Actually, I probably wasn't in the cool crowd because I didn't like the cool crowd. You know, one of my programs that I had as a kid, um, I remember getting teased when I was younger because my maiden name is Roloff. My dad is German. Mm -hmm. And uh, my, my observation was, was the, the richer kids were the ones that were teasing me. So I'm like, oh, well, if you've got money, you're not a very nice person. So this is where some of my money Ah. came in. Um, around that so I I would purposely just say the opposite in class to what the popular kids said just to be opposite <laughs> to them you know <laughs> talking about being a non-conformist I have always been a non-conformist yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that I'm just going to say opposite of you because I don't like you um, <laughs> and, and and so with this mindset about you know money's bad I don't like people with money and people with money are you know dicks or whatever um, yeah. you, you find yourself $120,000 in debt yeah. Well, the $120,000 in debt, that was at one stage. I mean, there's been varying degrees of debt throughout. Right. Uh, I mean, you overcame it, which is fantastic. But at one point, you know, you were there. And, and, and so did that contribute to that at all? Or was that something else? Well, the 120 grand was actually the amount that we uh, accumulated on credit cards in the uh, the six months that we're here in the U.S. trying to launch. Oh, okay. Well. So, you know, we, we came over here, um, so it was uh, Glenn, who's my ex-husband uh, slash business partner right mm-hmm. now, um, our ex-business partner, who, who, you know, so the three of us came over, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed from Australia, wanting to learn everything that we could about um, internet marketing so we could launch My Movies to the World. Um, we joined a mastermind group. We kind of got into that whole, you know, that that social network of, of other marketers so we could yeah. become sponges. But we came over here with no money. You know, Glenn and I had several businesses back in Australia, but, of course, they were just maintaining the mortgage and the car repayments and all the other financial commitments we had back there. So, uh, and we're making a small amount of money from the website, but we were trying to, you know, build it up to the, to the big launch. Right. So by the time we get to the launch, which was September 2008, okay. which also happened to be the month the economic crisis hit the planet. Yes. Losing everything. And uh, the morning of the launch, I looked. I remember looking at the statement, going 120 grand. I'm like, oh my god, this this has to work. Otherwise, we're toast. Like, I I, I don't know how we'll crawl out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we ended up, you know, it was just a perfect storm. 
You know, even though things financially were were so awful around the world, people were looking for an answer. People were looking for hope or something to to help them think or, or see themselves out of their current situation. So we came along with Mind Movies, which was a very simple idea of creating a movie. Uh, which was like a vision board, but like a moving dynamic vision board mm-hmm. of the future they wanted to create. So it was shifting them out of focusing on all the bad thing that was going on to shifting them to what they want the outcome to be. It was only $97, so it's a very low price point. Um, but the, we could never have predicted the success. I mean, our our community grew from 8,000 to 80,000 in one week. And wow. I, it was crazy. The secret, the secret was already out? Had it come out? It had come out and okay. uh, the, it had been on Oprah. So this okay. is the difference. I saw the original version with Esther Hicks and everything in it back in 2006. Mm-hmm. It didn't actually get, get onto Oprah until 2007. Okay. And then they were doing a year, like the year reunion in 2008, which was just before we did our launch in September. So, you know, it, it, and, you know, with all the, everything that was going on. So we ended up doing like a $700,000 week. Wow, fantastic. So, you know, I think we hit $100,000 the first hour. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, okay we're this okay. is good. We're, yeah, we're great. <laughs> um, we, can, we, can, we can exhale now. Yeah. But, you know, but it was one of those stories where, like, everything, everything went wrong. Like, we, our, our, our email list was growing that quickly that uh, our email delivery system, the company shut down our account because they thought we were doing something illegal. Oh, no. They thought you were spamming. So then they reinstated that. But then the morning of the launch, uh, we had, uh, you know, we had 80,000 people like, right. So we, we sent out early emails so we could stagger the traffic so it wouldn't all hit, you know, all at one time and crash the server. Well, okay, this company, whom I won't mention, decided to shut down for maintenance the morning of our launch. <gasps> Jeez. So we couldn't stagger the traffic. Thank God we didn't crush the server. We couldn't, you know, our affiliates weren't getting their emails out because they were using the same company. But the worst thing is that no one was getting their confirmation email that actually purchased a program. So we had, by lunchtime, 3,000 customer support emails, um, and I was customer support. So I, I, was, sure. I was in nearly in tears. Um, and, of course, you know, we're Australian. We're over here. We, we don't have a bank account, so we're using PayPal and you know, we've all heard the stories, and they, you know, they, 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 they were true to their name. They shut down our account halfway through the launch week, which oh, got it reinstated. But then they froze the account. So in the end, we uh, we had five hundred thousand dollars sitting in the in the PayPal account. We went back to Australia. We've got one hundred twenty grand on credit cards. We've got to pay our affiliates, which we can't, um, because the money's still sitting in the account. And they kept every time they'd say they release it, they kept moving the goalpost. So after six months, we finally got an attorney involved and, and um, she went to town on these guys and they finally released the money. And the funny thing is is that we it, we made a mind movie for that launch and our monetary goal was a million dollars, you know, because everyone yeah. around us was doing million dollars but with $2,000 sure. programs, not with $97 program. Um, but in the end, when we, we got the money finally back to Australia because of the, the economic crisis, we earned around two hundred fifty grand just in the exchange rate. Oh, nice! Yeah. So we basically did a million dollar launch. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love that. What a great story! And you know, great for you. Perfect testimonial. <laughs> well, it, it, it's what put us on the map, and definitely, you know, got us to create the amazing company that we have now. And you know, we're, we're working with different parts of the population, and it's yeah, it's definitely been fulfilling for, for sure. Well, life is only getting better, 
for Natalie, I'm sure. And we are going to go to a commercial break shortly. Um, When we come back, uh, we're definitely going to talk about lots more about mind movies and visualization. And maybe we'll we'll touch on the seven secrets of happiness and and your your other classes, the Ultimate Success Masterclass. Um, But just as we're going out here, um, there was something I read on your website. I just love this. Natalie um, has traveled to all the corners of the world, eaten scorpions, bungee jumped, skydived, and hang glided. And one of your life models is, I'll try anything once and twice if it's good. When we come back, I definitely want to hear about eating scorpions. (laughs) For sure. all the other crazy things you've tried. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love it. She's crazy. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. If you've got to go somewhere, get a drink, but come right back because you're not going to miss a second of this show. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's words you never heard. Did Scotch tape originate in Scotland? Nope. The popular gift wrapping tape was actually developed right here in the United States. In 1926, the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company, 3M, was being a bit rapacious, trying to save a little scratch or money, and started using a cheaper adhesive on their sticky tape. A Detroit automaker ordered some of this newer, cheaper tape to use for spray-painting auto bodies. But the automaker complained because the tape was scotch, a politically incorrect word that meant cheap or stingy. While the tape didn't have the adhesion to satisfy the automaker, it was hardly a Jifu jet. That's an unnecessary thing. It had many other uses, as we all know. So the tape was kept in production, and the name Scotch just stuck. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Prevention Magazine urges us all to set smart goals for fitness. Their clever goal-setting plan is to set goals that are smart, S-M-A-R-T. S is for specific. Don't make your goals vague or too broad. M is for measurable, which could mean a goal weight, a goal body fat percentage, number of calories burned per day, number of miles walked, number of days per week you commit to exercise, etc. A is for attainable. A great way to make your goals attainable is to break them down into smaller achievable goals. R is for realistic. We gain confidence from goals that push us, but are also realistic. And T is for time bound. Give yourself a time to reach these goals. You are more apt to complete them if there are urgencies. Give it a deadline. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back with Natalie Ledwell. She's my guest today on Mission Unstoppable Radio. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. You know, a lot of the good conversations always happen off air. And when we went to commercial break, I talked about all the um, wonderful and scary things that Natalie has has done. And, and I, I said off air that she should be on Fear Factor. And she goes, what fear? Uh, she, she admitted to just eating a bowl of crickets um, a, few, a month ago, maybe. And, you know, she's eating scorpions and all kinds of things. How How... What's the mindset for doing that? Is it just, oh, I don't mind, uh, I'm an adventurous eater, or is it I'll show people? or what, What's in your head when you go to eat something like that? 
Well, you know, uh, it was really interesting because especially with the Scorpions, I was fr- with a whole bunch of friends who were like transformational leaders mm-hmm. and um, and they had all these weird stuff on the menu and I'm like, oh my God, they've got Scorpions. We've got to, like, come on everyone, we've got to eat the Scorpions. So it was like, no, 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 you're so brave to do that. I'm like, but wait a minute, this restaurant's been in business for 15 years because it's set it on the menu. Yeah. We've been serving Scorpions that whole time and no one has died. So where is the risk? You know, so for me, I'm like, I don't see any risk. I, you know, I'm just, this is just an experience. Right. Uh, so, so for me, it, and it's the same thing, you know, like I was telling you, I was in Playa and they had a bowl of crickets. I'm like, oh, I haven't done that. I'd like to try it. You know, uh, for me, I value experience more than anything else. You know, if someone yeah. wants to purchase me a, a, like a, a gift or something, I'm like, just give me something that's an experience. Like if it hasn't been done, I just want to, you know, do that. You know, it's like when I travel, I also, you know, make sure that I, I don't just do the tourist thing. I want to meet mm-hmm. the locals and I want to find out what it's like to live there. And, you know, when we, when we had a guide in Istanbul, he's like, where do you want to go for lunch? We're like, well, where do you eat lunch? Because that's where mm-hmm. we want to go, you know. Um, so, you know, doing those kind of things, even bungee jumping, because bungee jumping is, I've done it a couple of times, the most exhilarating and uh uh, thing that you could ever possibly do because you know you're standing on the edge you can see the ground beneath you yeah and it's kind of close <laughs> so everything in your brain and your body is screaming don't do this and yet you know you breathe through it um and you know and again i just wait up i'm like well let's see thousands of people have done it before me no one's died so it's not like i'm going to die which is you think is worst case scenario um, i'm like if anything i'm just going to have this amazing experience and i get to live to tell the tale um, so, uh, you know, and of course, Australians, we, I mean, we never let the truth get in the way of a good story, but when you've got a really good story, you know, you think you want knowledge out of it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I, I mean, for those kind of things, it's like, I, I mean, that's how I live my life. Sure. I like to push the envelope. Um, you know, and like you said in my intro, I do believe that everything is possible, you know, and an example of this is, um, you know, uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you saw the news, but uh, an Australian woman was shot and killed by police in um, in Minneapolis, and she was a friend of mine. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. Yeah, and she called, you know, the police because she thought someone was getting assaulted at the back of her house, and, and in the end, the result was she gets shot and she's, she's killed. Oh, my God. Uh, and so when I look at that, um, you know, yes, I, I go through the pain of losing a friend, but then I remember, yes, we're infinite beings and this is one of her lifetimes, blah, blah, blah. But then I step, step back and I go, okay, well, what's the bigger play here? What's the what's the macro thing that's going on? And with everything, when I do that, I have to come from a place of compassion. So when I do that, I have compassion for the police. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, they're all suffering PTSD. They don't have proper training. Um, you know, these mistakes are happening with, with innocent people all the time. And, and so my thing is like, well, how do I help? And I was actually on a, on a um, I was telling you, I was on the boat yesterday with, with our team, but with some, some other people that are part of our mastermind. And there's a guy who uh, is a Navy SEAL. And he has this um, incredible way of teaching men how to shoot, but from a very conscious, you know, from a mm-hmm. conscious mind point and from the subconscious mind. So I was talking to him about this. I said, because um, I'm like, do you train the police? And he was telling me about all these reasons why this probably won't work. And because I'm like, we have to step in as transformational leaders and help the police. You know, they don't feel like they have the support from the from the community. There's a whole bunch of things going on. He goes, well, it's going to be really hard because of this, this and this. I go, yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be hard, but it's not impossible. Right. And he just smiled at me and he goes, 
all right, he goes, make sure you call me because I'm in. Because I'm like, no, like it. if we always think that, okay, there's too many things working against us, yes. um, then we can never facilitate a change. You know, so for me, I think there is, there's, or it's, there's nothing impossible. No. Um, and so I, that's what I, I kind of live by. And so when, I, when I'm faced with something that makes me step outside my comfort zone, like eating crickets or scorpions or bungee jumping, you know, I do that to, to you know, really help me stretch that and get used to living on that, that edge. I love it. I, you know, I've always said that I am possible. Impossible is I am possible. I, yeah. You know, that's kind of where it is for me. So, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's what Mission Unstoppable is all about is being, you know, doing the impossible and getting there. So you, um, on your website, on Mind Movies, uh, there's something that you have one thing that says the number one thing. Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to back up for a second because I, I do want you to explain the difference for some people. You have, you know, p- people were told to do vision boards and you have like a digital vision board. And you also have a questionnaire on your website. It thir- takes 30 seconds and, and it immediately you come back and you say, this is your success blocker. Mm-hmm. And so what is the difference um, or is there a difference between me doing my vision board and cutting out, you know, stuff from my, from my magazine or doing your mind movies? Yes. So here's the difference between a vision board and a mind movie. Um, so, you know, with your vision board, remember the purpose of a vision board is as a visualization tool. Mm-hmm. So you cut out photos of magazines from the house you want, the car you want, the holiday, all that kind of thing. So that when you're looking at this vision board, it helps to make it easier for you to see yourself in that picture, in that car, in that house, on that holiday. Um, and when, when you can see it in your mind, and you can feel what it's like to already be there and you start to take action in that direction, you can help to create that in your reality. Uh, so the, then the issue with a with a, a vision board is that it's very static. It's very, mm-hmm. you know, you know it, it's very still. But with a mind movie, we sort of take it a little step further and there's two things that we do. Yes, we definitely use the photos um, because that really gives your brain an image from which to start and build on. But we also can put affirmations on top of the images. Mm. So the affirmations are articulating in present tense language, like it's already happening now, mm-hmm. in using the right words. So we're not saying something like, you know, I'm debt free, because as soon as we use the word debt, you know, we're going to a negative. negative. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, you know, I'm, I'm abundantly wealthy. or So we're using the right language. And we're describing, you know, what our goal is, what life's going to look like when we get there, you know, why we're going the extra mile, you know, the actions that we're changing and the way that we need to change our thoughts to be in alignment with this new future. So we're describing all of that with the affirmations and the photos to enhance it. But the secret source to a mind movie is the music. So when, when we can have this clear visualization or this clear picture in our mind but we do it with an elevated emotion and we actually feel what it's like to be there this is where the music comes in because you know and i insist with everyone that creates their own personal mind movie you want to choose a song that absolutely blows your hair back and opens your heart um, and has meaning for you because that's going to very easily help you get into that elevated emotion so when you're combining those three things together, you have a really powerful tool to be able to easily put yourself in that future in your mind um, and to be doing it on a regular basis. You know, like especially if you choose a song that's current, you know, mm-hmm. you'll be driving along in the car and that song will come on the radio and instantly your mind starts to go into your, into your future. Yeah. It's, it's like an anchor for you. 
Um, you know, and my uh, original Mind movie back that I made in 2006, I uh, used a song called Clocks by Coldplay. Yep. And, uh, I, I mean, I still can't I, – I listen to that song and I'm instantly transported into emotions of accomplishment and, and uh, you know, and gratitude because this was, it was the beginning of this life I get to live. And I was in the I was in an Uber car the other day and I could see the guy had um, a CD in and that was the next song that was ready to play, Clocks. Oh, I go, do you mind just playing that song? So I'm sitting in the back, I'm crying, I've got tears going down my face. He's probably thinking he's got a crazy woman in the car. Um, but I can't not hear that song and just have, you know, no, those, no, those no emotion coming through. So, you know, when you combine all three of those things together, yeah. you have, yeah, it's it's the most powerful tool to be able to help you to to visualize and see yourself in that future. So where for you, where did it come from? Was it you and Glenn together or where did, where did, you know, the expertise come from or did you just learn it as you went? Like, oh, Lord, no. So, <laughs> so uh, our friend, Ryan, who was a, you know, who became a business partner, he came to us with the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, Glenn and I had four other businesses. We, we need another business like a hole in the head. Um, but we did understand the, uh, the power of these movies because Ryan had already shown us how to create one for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, Glenn could not turn on a computer. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I spent no time on the internet. I didn't even know what YouTube was. This is 2007. Okay, yeah. I didn't, like, you know, so we went from knowing nothing, I mean, less than nothing. Um, from We went from that point to, you know, I think it was a year later that we came to the U.S., you know, and then we basically went from that to a multi-million dollar company in three years um, uh, because we just were so focused. We knew it was a great idea. We were doing everything we could. We, like everything was in alignment. And, you know, we had a mind movie. We were mm-hmm. focusing. We were visualizing. We were taking the action. Um, we knew exactly what it was that we that, that where we wanted to end up. You know, I talk about, as I mentioned before, I have a great team. Well, from the very first you know, uh, launch that we were doing when we were completely stressed out, you know, and we'd, we'd, we'd leave the apartment and we'd have these discussions in present tense about what life was like once the launch was a success. We always talked about the team we were going to build mm-hmm. and how we'd have an idea and put it to the team and through all of us we'd, ha- we'd make it happen, which is exactly what we've created because we saw it in our minds first and believed without a shadow of a doubt that we could create it. That's the key, isn't it? Like, you know, believing it and and knowing that it's there, ready for you to walk into that 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 vision, that um, and, and and just really being open to it. I think so many people block it. But um, I want to talk about blocking and the mistakes that people make when they're trying to visualize. When we come back from our break, um, but before we go there, um, you mentioned one thing, and maybe it's going to take more time than this. I don't know uh, that you should never that you shouldn't do until you've done this. So. Don't don't visualize or do your 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 board until you've done this. And what would that this be? Um, you need to be in a happy place first. Okay. You can't Good. you can't create anything from a place of despair or frustration or helplessness. You need to be in a higher vibration first and can only create from there. Ah, uh, makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Mother Teresa said you can't you can't uh, be depressed and walk fast. So if you need to get out of it, I guess walk fast and then come back and find a happy place puppies are always a happy place mm. i think <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we're off on our break we will be back with more natalie ludwell 
That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's Merging Network. I always get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky crookie of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. Call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When it comes to losing weight, there is nothing better than to see the numbers on the scale get lower and lower. But what happens if you hit a plateau? All of a sudden, you're not losing weight like you were before, and it feels like everything has stalled. Weight Watchers offers tips to plow through your plateau and to get back on the weight loss trail. First of all, increase your physical activity. Exercise more and watch the weight drop off. Another way to tip the scales in the correct direction is to eat right and write it down. Record everything that you eat. Cheating here and there doesn't work, so be meticulous to follow the plan exactly. Strengthen your resolve to lose that weight and go after it full force. You will not be disappointed. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. So what would it be like to visualize all of your dreams and have them come true. Well, <laughs> that's what my movies is all about, really, you know, but, but there's a few things you have to do first. And Natalie is going to tell us about the blockers. Yeah. So the blockers are, are things that we all have, you know, and uh, they are formed normally when we're children. Uh, we have, uh, you know, de- depending on our personality, our environment, the things around us, things that we've been told, things that we observe, um, between the ages of like two and six, we're in what we call predominantly theta brainwave activity. So mm-hmm. this part of our development, we're like sponges, you know, we're, and you know, what do you know, when you say something once the child will pick it up straight away, Yeah. So, you know, we're sort of in that mode. And, and so this is where we, we learn how to think, feel, and act about, you know, all the important issues in our life, our self-worth, our self-image, our money, love, you know, all of those kind of things. You know, and I already mentioned earlier in the, in the show how um, I, you know, formed this belief around money that, you know, mm-hmm. if you had, if you were rich, that you weren't a nice person. And I wanted people to like me. So I'm like, okay, I don't want money. Um, but of course, <laughs> you know, I also grew up in a family of eight kids. So, you know, yeah. my dad worked three to four jobs. It was, I, I also learned from, not from them saying anything, but um, from watching that behavior, okay, you have to work hard to get money. Mm-hmm. Um, I also believe because there was any time there was any kind of stress in the household, it was about, you know, trying to stretch money as much as we could. So, you know, I always found myself as an adult with Glenn, you know, when we're talking about money, it always turned into this really stressful kind of a fight. 
for no reason but but you know later on when I realized what was happening I, I was just emulating my pe- my parents behavior so it was really interesting how that 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 plays out yeah well I did the I did your quiz before we came on so mine mine turned out um you said it was a little unusual but it was basically I don't feel worthy yes so I don't feel worthy let's go with that Okay, so I don't feel worthy can come from many different things. Um, you know, if you had parents that were, you know, perfectionists uh, mm-hmm. or really held you in a high standard or if, you know, you come back and you got a B, they go, well, why didn't you get an A? You know, so you, you form this this belief in, in your mind that, you know, that uh, I'm not worthy of love or I'm not worthy uh, of anything good in my life because I've never been, you know, I've never been able to attain that. So it's like we get trained early. So... This belief gets stored into our subconscious mind. Now, the subconscious mind runs the show 90% of the time, mm-hmm. 99% of the time, depending on which you know person you listen to. So even though consciously we go, I want to be wealthy, you know, I want to have love, I want to, you know, have this amazing body, um, and we do that in our conscious mind and we're taking all this action, subconsciously uh, our brain's going, no, you don't because, you know, you're not worthy. And you know mm-hmm. you're not worthy. So it, it not only does it start throwing thoughts into your conscious mind that is that are going telling you all the reasons why you can't achieve that, um, but it also taints the way you look at everything. So something may come up. Let's just say that um, you went for a job uh, interview and you didn't get it. You know your subconscious mind sends the thoughts through to your conscious mind, going, "See, it's because you're not worthy." You know what, what? Why did you go for the interview in the first place? It's got nothing to do with that. You just probably weren't the right person for the job, but you, you know, your mind puts. I'm putting a narrative around it. Yes, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, I remember um, in my 30s, I was struggling with my weight, um, and I had this whole issue with my with my body image. Um, And I remember in my marriage, I'd I'd like be like, okay, why? How could my husband possibly be attracted to me? Well, look at me. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got this terrible body, and I'm not happy with myself. Now, and then he'd be, he'd say something. And I'm like, see, it's because he's not attracted to me anymore because I've got this terrible body. And it had nothing to do with that, but that was just my subconscious mind adding meaning um, right. to to those things. And then, of course, in the end, you know, we, we ended up, you know, after 18 years, we separated after 18 years because I had this narrative going in my mind that I truly believed was true, even though it was the furthest thing from the truth. It's crazy how that, how that happens. It is. So how, what do you tell folks about this, you know, I, I call them the members of the board. You probably have another name for them um, that are in our heads telling us these stories that, that aren't true. Well, we know where they come from. And most of the time it's not our fault. You know, it's mm-hmm. because of observations or, you know, situations. And, you know, our parents, I think we can all agree, our parents did the best that they could with what they had. Yes. You know, and remember, they got their own programming from their parents and so on and so forth. So, you know, it goes generations back. So this is just, just mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, the first step is really to be aware that you have these programs, so to be aware that you have these deeper thoughts. Um, and the easiest way to figure this out is as you're working towards a specific goal, start to write down all the thoughts that you have, whether they're good or bad, because sometimes we perceive them to be good because, you know, they come across as common sense that's, you know, trying to keep us safe and you realize, oh, my God, that's actually holding me back from what I'm working towards. Mm-hmm. So write down all of the thoughts that you're having. And then once you have them written out on paper, because, you know, most of the time they're running around like a dog chasing its tail and yeah. you're going over and over. Once they're out and they're onto paper, that in itself can be relieving. You're like, right, okay, now I'm aware of these thoughts because most of the time we're not. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, yeah. well, what am I going to choose to think instead? 
Because you remember these thoughts, we've been thinking them sometimes 30, 40 years. They travel down these very strong neural pathways in our brain. Now, what we want to do is start creating new neural pathways with thoughts that are in alignment with the future that we want. Now, the other, the, uh, the old neural pathways, they don't go away completely. They kind of atrophy. So every once in a while, you'll, you know, you'll have one of these negative thoughts come through. But the thing is, the more we can see ourselves through the visualizations, watching our mind movies or looking at our vision boards and um, and keep playing this movie in our mind, our subconscious mind goes, oh, this is my new reality. And therefore, your your thoughts start to change. Now, when your thoughts change to be in alignment with that picture that you're watching or the movie that you're playing, then that automatically starts to change your actions. Um, you know, and with every thought we have, there is an emotion attached. So the emotions that we're having are the emotions of already being there, of already having that, you know, that that future. Emotions are energy. Energy is the language that the universe understands. So we start to vibrate or resonate at a certain frequency. So whatever is a vibrational match to the frequency that we're sending out then gets attracted back to us to make that a reality. And that's basically the, the basis of the law of attraction. Have you um, – you must have heard from some people go, I, you know what, you're telling me something. I, I, I just can't see it. I can't see it in my head. Yeah. Well, seeing it is one thing, but what's more important is that you feel it. Okay. okay so we always have to be a good visualizer. We can yeah, so, come up with the emotion. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to see a vivid, uh, you know, picture in your mind. What does help, though, is that, you know, because people go, okay, well, I want to be wealthy. Now, that means a million different things to, sure. to everybody, right? So choose one thing. Okay, so if you had the wealth that you want, what's one thing that you would do, okay? Let's say that one thing you do is go on a holiday. Mm-hmm. So then you want to sit down and just, you know, feel what it's like and, and use as many senses as you can. Like I think, okay, I'd, I'd like to go on a, a holiday with my honey. Mm-hmm. So I see myself laying on a deck chair on the beach. I can feel the heat of the sun on my skin. I can, I'm, I'm reaching across. I can, I'm picking up a pina colada. <laughs> I can feel the coldness in my hand and I can taste the sweetness in the coconut as I'm drinking it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking across at my honey and I'm feeling love and I'm feeling accomplishment and I'm feeling contentment because I'm doing exactly what it is that I wanted to do. So I'm, I'm, these are the emotions that I'm feeling. I'm starting to bring in all these other different senses and that's what makes it even more real to our subconscious mind because it really doesn't know the difference between no. what we see through our eyes and the movie that we continuously play in our mind. Well, that's great. That's good. Actually, that's really good for most of us. <laughs> well, you right? think about it. And, and the thing is, like, remember, too, like, when we're thinking about creating wealth, like, it's not the money per se. It's not like right. visualizing a pile of cash because that doesn't invoke any kind of emotion. It's what the money means. Right. You know, what are you going to do with the money when you have it? What, what difference does it make for your family? You know, how does it make it how, – how, how amazing do you feel knowing that your children are going to be going to the best schools or, you know, or that you'll, you know, you'll get to, you know, as you get older and the kids, you know, have gone off to college, you know, that you'll get to spend this extra time with your, with your husband or your spouse or whatever doing what it is that you love to do. Like how amazing is that going to be? And, and then, and then sit, just, just, you know, marinate in that for a while. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to have your eyes closed. Like I visualize with my eyes open driving the car all the time, especially mm-hmm. when the songs that I've used in my mind movies come on the radio. Oh, or, yeah. Or if I'm walking, if I'm out walking Bella and 
walking her out around the marina. You know, I always go through my gratefuls. That's, you know, walking her is my trigger to, to think of all the things I'm grateful for and to sit in that emotion. Um, and then I start from that emotion. You know, I think we talked earlier about a happy place. Sure. Uh, the easiest way to get into your happy place is to be grateful for what you have. Um, and then from there I start to see, you know, like we're talking about the children's program or, or, you know, what we're doing with my movies and, you know, all these different projects I'm working on, then I see the end result of that. But I do that from being in that elevated, you know, happy place to begin with. Now, as a, as a coach, I, I've encountered several people, especially men, who have a very hard time getting in touch with their feelings. They don't know what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. They go, Some people said, I don't have feelings. <laughs> like, yeah. how, would you, how would you help somebody overcome that? Well, I think when you when we're in the non-emotional side of us, we're sort of in the masculine part of who we are. And I mean, women are the same, like especially mm-hmm. if we've got high powered jobs and we've got all these things going on. And, and the reason I'm saying this is I, I've heard John Gray. He's got a new book out. You know, he read Men is from Mars, Women from sure. Venus. His new book is Beyond Mars and Venus. We, and he talks a lot about this. Um, and so you want to do something that gets you back into the feminine side of you, which is where your emotions are. So whether that's, you know, watching a little video that gives you the feels, you know, that, mm-hmm. that invokes some emotion or just sitting down and talking about it and talking, you know, a little bit about, you know, how you feel about different situations. It doesn't have to be something personal um, uh, and doing anything, you know, if it could even be for, for women or for men, you know, doing a, a, a feminine kind of activity like having a bubble bath with candles and um, and just sort of dropping back into that, that feminine part of us, you know, where we are in touch with our with our emotions. And, you know, it's not like you have to go full on straight into, wow, like, a, you know, I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable, I'm feeling whatever. Right. It's just start with start small. Start with, you know, how you how you feel about a certain event that happened that day. Or maybe start with something like, you know, what you're grateful for, especially if you're sharing something that you're grateful for with your spouse or your partner, and then open up the conversation from there. Like, it wouldn't matter, would it, if I, if I had, like, one happy memory in my life, and I just kept that memory in my back pocket, and I kept taking that same card out every time I needed to use it. That's okay, right? Oh, Absolutely. You know, there's certain music and songs that invoke a certain amount of emotion for us as well. You know, that that also helps us get there too. Well, we're going to go to another commercial break very soon. And when we get back, let's talk a little bit about the Katie program. Absolutely. Yeah. I I love that. I love the name of that too. It's so cute. And um, I also want to touch on your book, uh, the one that you wrote. um, uh, Sorry. Uh, never in your wildest dreams there you go yes i tried to download that book and i'm going to tell you i did try to download your book yesterday and i could download everything except your book oh no <laughs> yeah amazon says your, your your visa doesn't work and i'm like it's an amazon visa and it works for everything <laughs> mission unstoppable with coach frankie picasso will continue right after these messages stop Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. 
we're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally, people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now, here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back because Natalie Ledwell is my guest. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. You're listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. Natalie, uh, before we went to break, I said we were going to come back and talk about your PD for kids. What is that? So uh, this is a really awesome story because it's it's all about, you know, how I apply what I actually teach. But um, I had a friend of mine who uh, who knew that we'd, I'd created this children's version of our My Movie software. Mm-hmm. So I created it, but then I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, I don't do, am I reaching out to children or parents? I wasn't sure. Anyway, he, uh, this friend of ours was living in Medellin in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was at a function talking to the dean of a university, the biggest university in Medellin. And uh, somehow my movies for kids came up in conversation and uh, Mario, the dean of this university, said we must have this. So next, you know, I'm on a phone call with my mate, uh, Mario, and Mario's interpreter. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, we, uh, we made a uh, commitment to donating 10,000 uh, accounts to work with underprivileged children in, in uh, Colombia. And then he asked me to create a curriculum to go along with the with the my movies and I went uh, um, sure <laughs> I go yeah. what do you need he goes we have 12 lessons uh, we want you to address bullying and early school dropout we'd like you know homework so they can introduce their families to the concepts and um, you know and if you get it to us by the end beginning of October which are like two and a half weeks away he said oh then my gosh. we can do the translation I'm like Okay, great, great, no problem. I hung up the phone, then I freaked out. I'm like, okay, this is why I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, it's not like you can say no to something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, I left school when I was 15, and I don't have kids. And you know, and I'm like, why did I say yes? So, um, but I do what I always do. I, you know, I calm down, and I sat down and I did a visualization. And um, and for the first week that I was working on that program, I could not do that visualization and not cry because I could see um, myself in the classroom, you know, uh-huh. and the kids coming up to me and I was talking to the teachers and they're crying about how much it made a difference in their lives. You know, I could see these children like older, you know, on a podium going, if it wasn't for this program, I would never have achieved this. And like I, I, I was there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So then when I come out of that, I'm like, okay, so – so what's my first step? Because with everything, you know, it's like, okay, I don't need to know what the, like I'm not looking at the mountain. Yep. I'm looking at the next step. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I do. I have a friend who's a teacher. So I called her up and said, is there some kind of regular way that these lessons are laid out so I look like I know what I'm doing? She goes, yes, yes. So she sent that to me. 
So, you know, I, I figured out what, what the lessons were going to be. Then I call my copywriter and I'm like, dude, you're going to help me out. I said, can you please flesh this out with words? This is what I need. This is what needs to be in each of them um, because, you know, I've got a two-and-a-half-week deadline and I had to make some changes to the to the software as well. And uh, he goes, yeah, he said, but, you know, I've got a secret weapon. I go, what's that? He goes, you know, my wife's a teacher and she specializes in early-age curriculum. I'm like, because uh, that's exactly what I need. So a lot of attraction. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, like you said, when you can see yourself at that end result, you can see what's happening, you can feel it, you know exactly what it's like, and then you just look at the next step that will fall into place. So, um, you know, since then we've had, you know, we've, there were some issues with that, with that, um, with that uh, situation down there, so we're not working with the Colombians right now. Um, so I'm looking at, you know, getting into the Western schooling system. And uh, we, we need a, at least one schools to say yes to do the pilot program so we could start to do the assessments and show other schools, you know, that we could do it too. So um, in the I ended up meeting a guy online through a, like a seminar that I did. Um, and we now have our first school in the Western world, which is actually in Australia. And believe it or not, it is my primary school. Oh, in no. Town that my, my siblings and I went to. Like, it's so random. Like, this is not a big city. This is like a, a small country town. So this is the first school that's starting to teach it. We now have the New Zealanders. I train the New Zealanders next week. They start teaching next week. Um, and then with this information, we are ready to start, you know, with the with the U.S. schooling system. Um, so, again, all these things are kind of falling into place uh, for the for the program to be to be disseminated throughout the world. Um, and so, yeah, so I have a girlfriend who's arriving on Thursday from Australia. She's a child psychologist. We're working on the teenage version of the program as well. Um, and so, you know, again, I think you go from I went from a place of I'm not qualified. Who do I think I am? Like, you know, I have all this self-doubt, which we always do. Sure. And, you know, and we talk about fear. Yes, I had fear. I'm like, this is too much responsibility. This is too, too important a project. You know, who, am I, who, who do I think I am? And I'd swing through through fear and self-doubt to, well, I would never have been given this if I wasn't up to the task. And I also had to get very honest about what my role in the project was. You know, what I bring to the table is the technology and the big vision picture and the belief that it will happen. But I'm working with people who are helping me create the curriculum, who have the credentials to do so. I'm working with the teachers on the ground that have the the motivation and the and you know and the the heart to want to be able to implement the program so it's like you know when i'm given something like this it's not like i go okay i'm i'm who am i to do this i'm not qualified to well how can i do this because like i said before i believe that everything is possible exactly um if you ever want another school in nicaragua i got one for you (laughs) oh great okay awesome yeah yeah Yeah, we're working in liberia as well um, so it's, and it's, and you know, the program's designed for any culture, any, you know, it doesn't matter religion, country, culture, it's, it's, you know, basically common sense, uh, information, but sure. really helping kids, uh, have the tools, uh, and the, uh, and the skill to be able to deal with the overwhelm because, you know, as you know, the, the, the suicide rate and, and the depression and, and what children are going through right now is it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable to me. And I'm like, there, you know, like I said, there's always something that we can do. So this is, this is my small role that I'm playing in this, in this big job. 
Oh, I love it. Now, one of the things that we had talked about off and off air, and we're going to talk about on air, is the relationship that you have with Glenn, your your ex husband, but your current business partner. Um, so, how does that work for for you? Like, how did you keep emotion, or maybe you didn't have any negative emotion towards him as a husband, um, or maybe you did, and but still, you know, you're a wonderful business partner, and we're going to stay together. It works for us. How, how's yeah. that working? Well, you know, the um, the catalyst or the event that happened that, that you know, was the, the, that caused our separation or that started our separation was that he'd met somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, and even in that moment when he was telling me, you know, I was like, okay, first I felt relief because I'm like, you know, we haven't been happy for a long time, but we didn't know how to fix it and we were kind of ignoring it. And mm-hmm. so when this happened, it was like, okay. And I said to him, look, I said, obviously this is sad and it's, you know, upsetting and blah, blah, blah. I said, but just give me some time and I'll be okay with it. But see, the thing is, and this is one thing I do all the time, when when something shows up in my life that it's not, you know, <laughs> the way I think it's going to be or it's, you know, not favourable or whatever, my first question that I always ask is what was my role in this? Uh-huh. I always want to step up and like what was my role? What I want to take responsibility for my part in this. And understand, you know, what happened. Um, and I, I actually couldn't figure it out myself. If I could have, probably, you know, we may, may even still be married. Um, but I couldn't figure that out for myself. And so I actually did a thing called the Hoffman Process, which was gnarly and amazing. Um, and one of the best things I ever did was like a six-and-a-half-day course. But it helped me to step up and take that responsibility. You know, and, of course, since then, Glenn has also done the Hoffman Process. We have this amazing communication now, better than it was when we were together. But I also have the realization that, you know, uh, I, I believe that we did have a soul contract to be together. Mm-hmm. In this life. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, our, and I had someone ask me the question the other day, like, if you know law of attraction, why didn't you keep your marriage together? And, uh, and my response was, you know, sometimes you have to step out of good to step into great. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, um, you know, in my 20s and 30s, Glenn was the perfect guy for me. But I've changed and, and I've, you know, and I have a bigger mission, which I could never have achieved if I was still still married to him. But, you know, we're still in business together and I'm able to achieve this with us, you know, um, being able to be still connected through business. We're fantastic business partners. We've had 20 different businesses together because mm-hmm. our, our skill sets complement each other. We never, ever lost love and respect for each other. You know, we yeah. never there was never nasty words. There was never, you know, it was like, and, you know, and, and we both had the ability to be able to, to ask the question, how did I, how did I show up in this? There was no blame, you know, um, we knew we grew apart and we knew that we could have spent more time doing that, but, uh, you know, but we, we kind of dropped the ball. And so, um, so now we've just transitioned into something different. You know, it's not, it's not like we're, our relationship is over. It's, right. It's just different. I totally understand that. Yeah, it's better than it was towards the end of our marriage. And, you know, being unhappy, you know, you were probably projecting it in the universe, you know, something to change this, you know, I need something to change here. And the universe found the way for that to happen for you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, obviously we know a lot of people that are going through separation and divorce. It does take two people to be able to, to see that. But Mm -hmm. I know that um, when one, one of the parties is really showing up from that place of love and always showing that respect, um, the other person can't, it's, it's like they respond in kind. So even though, you know, it's only one person that has that intention, it does permeate out into the behavior of, of the other party too. Right. I mean, I always say, 
uh, words hurt forever. So I'm very careful about what I say. And I never say anything in anger that I can't take back. Yeah. You can't and take it, them back, right? Exactly. So you have to learn that, to fight fair. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, um, I always take a breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always take a deep breath. Like, and, and, of course, I'm not saying that there, there's not times where I don't instantly have this emotional reaction. Yeah, like, I'm off. <laughs> but I, I, never, I never act from that place. Yes. I feel it, and I think sometimes it's important to feel it. Yes. But then I take a breath. So, and then I ask myself, how do I, how do I choose to move forward from here? You know, and it gives you a moment to ha- make the choice rather yes. than just reacting. Um, and, you know, that always works out for the best. <laughs> it, it, it does. Yes. Yeah. Learning learning to respond versus react is, is a mature way to walk through the world. <laughs> Yeah. And it's something if you learn it, it's going to do everybody um, a good a good stead. Um, www.mindmovies.com, www.natalieledwell.com. She's on Facebook, The Inspiration Show, which I was fortunate enough to be on yesterday. Yay for me! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, please go visit. Please you know take take the courses, look at the movies, and find you know get the very best life that you possibly can for yourself. Last words, Natalie. You know, uh, being able to create the life that we want or influence, you know, the outcomes that we want, um, we can all do it. Mm -hmm. You know, all it does is taking a little bit of time to get clear about what it is that you really do want. You know, being grateful for what you have, starting from that point. Um, And it's just one step at a time. You know, I've worked from people from all over the world, from all different countries and all different, you know, um, upbringings. And it's possible for all of us. You know, and it's what I want for everyone that's listening to the call. Beautiful sentiment. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody who tuned in this week and every week. I so appreciate you. And I'm sure that uh, we'll be back next week with another. Thank you, Natalie, for coming on today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Such an amazing person. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Take care, everybody. When the chips were down, they didn't stop. Stories of people who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time. And always remember, Don't, 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 don't stop.